The following podcast is a Dear Media production. As a parent, do you ever wish someone could just whisper some realistic and trustworthy support in your ear and not make you feel awful for not having all the answers? Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, developmental psychologist, parent educator, clinical professor, and I'm a mom. My goal is to make your parenting journey less overwhelming and a lot more joyful. Please join me every Friday for new episodes of Raising Good Humans. Hey guys, it's Gobby and welcome to What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild. We got a little bit of a facelift. If you're new here, I'm Gobby. I'm the founder of What's Gobby Cooking, a best-selling author and now a podcast host. What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild, which is the latest version of my podcast, is your one-stop shop for all your food and cooking questions. We'll be talking tips and tricks, how to store food, how to put together meals based on what's in your pantry and more. I'm also going to be interviewing some incredible people and highlighting super cool small companies from the food world. So let's get right into it. This is What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild. Hi, guys. Happy Monday. Coming to you live from the room next to our renovation. So if you hear any banging or nails or screw driving or any loud noises. Don't be concerned. I'm fine. There are just some large things being installed next door. <laughs> Anyways, what a weekend. Wow. We are back and ready to go this Monday morning. It is going to be a great week. I feel it. There is fall in the air. Just disregard the fact that it's almost 100 degrees in Los Angeles. We are getting into it. Today's podcast is going to be the norm. We're going through tons of questions. I'm clearing out that inbox and voicemail box of all of your guys' questions. So we're going to get down and tackle that. I also want to get into the fact of how to cook without an actual kitchen, because I know a lot of you are doing kitchen renovations as well. You only have access to a few pots and pans. So I want to talk about what to do when you actually don't have a stove or an oven and how to cook basically everything on a barbecue. So we'll get into that towards the tail end of the episode, but your questions per use are amazing. So let's get right into it. Here we go. Hi, Gabby. This is Sally from Clarksville, Maryland. Love your podcast. Love your energy. Your recipes are fantastic. Really enjoying them question is about mocktails. Probably had a few too many cocktails and glasses of wine during the pandemic or quarantine time. So we'd love some ideas on some fun party drinks, especially going into the fall and watching football and the holidays and things. Some fun party drinks that might not be alcoholic or super low in the alcoholic content. Thanks, Gabby. Hi, Sally. I can attest to that. I was on the cocktail train hard at the beginning of quarantine and then like I got pregnant and things got boring, but I'm right there with you. Here's the deal with mocktails. If you go on whatsgabbycooking.com and just click on the drink section of the site, there are so many cocktails. All of them have like tequila, vodka, rum, pims, something, bourbon. You get the idea. A lot of those also have like fresh fruits and sparkling waters and like maybe some herbs or something in them. 
they'll be fantastic if you just leave out the booze. Like I have a blueberry mint bourbon lemonade on there. And if you literally made the entire thing, it's mint, fresh blueberries, simple syrup, lemon, bourbon, but you leave it out and crushed ice. Boom. Perfection. You could also just add a splash of sparkling water on top or club soda to give it a little bit of fizz it would be exceptionally delicious. So to start, I would say that. I would go on my website, hit the drinks category and just pick whatever sparks your fancy or sparks your imagination and just leave out the alcohol. If you want to get even more creative, I would say to puree up some fruit juices. Like if you've got some fresh strawberries because they're on their way out of summer now, puree them and then freeze them. And you can use those to pop them into cocktail or mocktails. Excuse me. Clearly I want a cocktail. (laughs) I've got a one track mind. You just pop them in a drink with some ice and some sparkling water and it's delicious. You could add a little bit of fresh lime juice as well. Fresh lemon juice. Those are the components that make up an incredible mocktail. In my opinion, I've also been like peeling those little clementine, like cuties and putting those with some sparkling water and a splash of orange juice. Excellent. Hi, Bobby. This is Laura calling from the Philadelphia suburbs. And my question for you is about watermelon. I love watermelon and I usually just eat it sliced or cut up plain but sometimes I get one that isn't super tasty. So instead of wasting it, I was wondering if you had some creative ideas for using a watermelon that isn't flavorful or maybe may not have a great texture. Thanks so much. Hi, Laura. Great question. And I feel like everyone's kind of on the tail end of watermelon season over here, at least we are in California and the West Coast, but hopefully everyone in the middle of the country and back east still has access to watermelon. You're right. Some of them aren't as flavorful as others. And just a word to the wise next summer when the watermelon season rolls around, I know the seeds are a pain in the ass, but watermelon with seeds tends to be more flavorful than seedless watermelon, just as a point of reference for everybody. If I get a watermelon that's kind of shitty, it doesn't have like a delicious flavor. I sprinkle a little bit of salt on it. And then you could also do like a quick squeeze of lime juice or like tahine. So tahine seasoning, for those of you who've never seen it before, that's what it's called. T-A-J-I-N. It's sold definitely in most Hispanic markets. Sometimes you can find it at the regular market as well. It's a seasoning salt that has like very Mexican flavors behind it. It is chili powder, lime, and a little salt. It is delicious and it will change your watermelon game. Also, side note, back to the cocktail mocktail situation. When you're making a margarita, instead of just rimming the glass with salt, if you rim it with salt mixed with tahini, your mind will be blown. Also for a Bloody Mary, you guys. Oh my God. What's my first drink going to be after I have this child? (laughs) I think it's going to be, I mean, it's a margarita and Aperol spritz, but if it's a margarita, that rim is going to be lined with a little salty tahini because it is next level amazing. I had it for the first time when me, Thomas, Matt and Adam were in Palm Springs a couple years ago and it blew my mind. So try it. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. But Laura, that's what I would do for the watermelon. I think it's a great solve. The other thing you could really do is take all your watermelon, like scoop out the actual flesh of the watermelon, discard the rind, puree it and make a watermelon juice. And you can add a little honey or agave to sweeten it up a little bit and then just serve it with a little splash of sparkling water or a little lime juice and make more mocktails that way. But I feel you. You know, when you like haul a 20 pound watermelon in from the grocery store and it's just not delicious. It's very upsetting. I feel I feel this deeply in my soul. (laughs) 
Hi, Gabby. My name is Maggie. I'm calling from Oklahoma City. I love your blog, love your cookbook, and you've really upped my cooking game in the past few years. So I'm so grateful for that. My question is about creme fraiche. So I bought creme fraiche and just used a few tablespoons for your banana bread pancakes. And I was wondering if you had any ideas on how to use what I have left since it's kind of expensive and not something I buy all the time. I want to get the most of it. Thanks, Gabby. Hi, Maggie. First of all, so happy you made those pancakes. Those are delicious with a little like pockets of chocolate molten deliciousness in each one of them. I might have to make them on the barbecue this weekend. Great question. So creme fraiche, it's not like thousands of dollars, guys, but it's not cheap. Like it's more expensive than a thing of sour cream. So when you get it, you want to use it. Side note, you can freeze it. I freeze little things of it all the time in like ice cube trays like we've talked about before and pop it out and just let it thaw as needed. But here here are a couple ways I, they're not necessarily recipes that I have on What's Gobby Cooking, but things that I've done with Creme Fraiche to use it up in the past. You could put a healthy blob of it in some mac and cheese to make it extra creamy. You can use it instead of whipped cream over like a fruit cobbler or pie or something like that. There's actually a galette on my website that has a dollop of Creme Fraiche on top and it is exceptionally delicious and a little bit different than ice cream. So it's just like a nice little surprise. You could put it on smoked salmon in bagels with like a bagel bar style. If you're being like real fancy and someone brought you caviar, it's what you should eat with caviar and potato chips. (laughs) If you want to make some potatoes, like dice up some potatoes, boil them and then drain them, stir in a dollop or two of creme fraiche into the potatoes along with some like lemon juice, salt, pepper and herbs. That would be phenomenal. You could put it into any other kind of tomato-based pasta sauce to make it a little bit creamy. Add it to some barbecue sauce or something to make it for like a dip to make wings in it. It is exceptionally versatile and so good. Hi, Gabby. This is Sarah from Brooklyn. Um, I wanted to start by thank you. I am loving the podcast. I recently started cooking just a couple of years ago, but I feel like by listening to this podcast, I've already learned so much more. I do have a question. Could you please give me the rundown about cooking sprays versus cooking oil? Are cooking sprays a safe alternative or should I be choosing to use oil instead? Thank you so much. Looking forward to listening to the episodes and all the following ones to come. Bye. Hi, Sarah. Great question about cooking sprays. I get this question a lot, actually, on DMs. People are like, tell me you don't really use Pam. Like, we see it in the back of your InstaLive. You don't really use it, do you? I'm like, yeah, I absolutely do. Here's the deal. When you're baking, let's talk baking specifically, then we'll get into cooking like savory things. But when you're baking a loaf or muffins or something that's going in like an indentation style pan, you got to grease that sucker. So here are your options. You can either butter the whole thing like really well, get a stick of butter and slather it in there and then flour it lightly and then dump out any extra flour. That is probably the healthiest option of all of them. And it's the cleanest. It's not the easiest because you actually have to get out the butter and get out the flour and like use your hands. If you don't want to do that, I just use a baking cooking spray. The pan baking spray is amazing. I love it. I don't like if someone's going to judge me for that, that's fine. 
But you know what? It helps things not to stick it to come out easily at the end. So I think it's worth it. The other thing I'll just note is when you're baking and you like the gold touch sheet pans. I know I say this all the time from William Sonoma and I swear to God, no one's paying me to say this, but they're amazing. And there's something about them that is more nonstick than the silver nonstick sheet pan. So just something to think about if you're looking for holiday gifts or something, those muffin pans and loaf pans and cookie sheets are great and very nonstick. So you can cut down on the amount of baking spray you actually use, but I think you need it. So here's the deal. When you have FDA, like when they allow foods to be labeled as zero calories, they have to have less than 500 calories or 0.5 grams of fat per serving in order to be listed as zero calorie or fat free. That doesn't mean it's exactly zero calories or fat free, but it's negligible. Like if you're using a little bit of a spray for the whole sheet pan, maybe you're getting like a couple extra calories in there, but when you slice it 12 times or something, it's not very much, but you know, it's totally up to you. Okay. Let's talk about the savory side of things. I don't use a spray when I'm cooking savory things. I will just use oil or butter and I am liberal when it comes to the oil and oil and butter usage. A, oil is a healthy fat. If you're using olive oil, it's great for you. It's great for your skin. It's great for your hair. All those things get in there. When I taught Thomas how to roast vegetables a couple years ago for the first time when I was on book tour, Oh God, remember book tours? I forgot what those are even like. Oh, those were the days when we could hug and meet you guys. It was so much fun. One day we'll be back out there. Anyways, I taught him to make roasted vegetables and he would be so conservative with his oil use because he just like would look at the recipe and it says two tablespoons of oil, but maybe he had a larger sheet pan than normal. You really got to get in there and get those suckers like coated because that's what's going to keep them A, from not sticking to the pan and B, it's going to keep them moist and keep the seasonings really adhering to the potatoes or the Brussels or whatever you're using. So I would say be pretty liberal with the oil use in a savory thing. You don't want to use too much where it's like aggressive and splatters all over your oven or stove, but like you need a decent amount. Everything should be coated. Sometimes if I'm doing a ton of vegetables, I will put them in a prep bowl and sprinkle oil on top, like pour some oil in in the bowl, toss it around with my hands or a spoon and then transfer it to a baking sheet. I feel like that sometimes helps the vegetables get a better coating than when you're just doing it on the baking sheet. However, then you have an extra bowl to wash. So, you know, pick your battles if you want dishes or if you want less oil use and perfectly coated. All right, guys, let's talk about how to cook when you don't actually have a kitchen because we don't have a kitchen and we won't for another couple of weeks. And everyone has been DMing and asking about what we're actually doing. We've got a barbecue. We've got a pizza oven and a few other toys that I've invested in because like we needed a panini press and stuff like that. The pizza oven's amazing and I will cook on it every weekend for the foreseeable future until we can't. But it takes an hour to get up to temperature. And also like not everybody has one. So I'm not going to go into detail about that. The barbecue is amazing. You can actually cook anything you want on the barbecue. I've made a quiche in there. I made banana bread in there. Here's the deal. If you are cooking without a stove, without an oven, and you've got a barbecue, you need a couple things. One, you need a pizza stone. So you can have something between the grates and the heat and your food that keeps things even. And you need an internal thermometer so you can actually monitor what the temperature is inside your barbecue. So that's when I did my banana bread and pumpkin bread and everything I did last weekend. I just monitored the temperature on the barbecue to make sure it was 350 degrees. 
it was baked like a champ, like truly perfection. I actually think it baked better than our oven because the oven we previously had was kind of shitty. So the pizza stone is key for doing anything you want on the barbecue. I've made pasta on the barbecue. I've done that quiche on Insta Live a couple weeks ago on the barbecue. I'm grilling vegetables ahead of time and then I take them inside and I work them into things like quinoa and farro and things that I can do in the rice cooker. It's been a godsend. I am so obsessed. I never thought I'd cook so much on the barbecue, not during summer, but here we are. Another thing I recently got was a panini press. I had sold mine a couple years ago. A new panini press, I think it's Breville. That way I can make paninis and like grill vegetables inside if I need to in like a pinch. It's amazing. I feel like there are a lot of panini recipes coming your way. A couple other tools that have been very helpful for us are the Instant Pot because you can saute your meat or vegetables before you like put the pressure on basically. And that way you actually have more than just like mushy vegetables or something. It has like a little bit more oomph to it when you're cooking. So the Instant Pot, the rice cooker has been amazing. I make a big batch of rice or quinoa or something every couple of days. So we have like grain bowls and I've got all the stuff we talked about this summer frozen in the freezer. I have not gotten into camp style cooking. Like I don't have a little burner to go outside yet, even though Thomas is begging me to get one. So we'll see if we ever get there. A couple other things. Let's just address the elephant in the room right now. Thomas made microwave eggs. Were they actually good? Surprisingly, you guys, they weren't bad. Here's what he did. He basically cracked three eggs into a bowl and then microwaved it for 30 second intervals. It was truly phenomenal. He didn't do it too much. So the eggs weren't overcooked. They were just like perfectly, not runny, but like perfectly soft. It was a soft scramble in the microwave. He saved it to his Instagram highlights. If you guys would like to go check it out at what's Thomas eating. I'm not going to lie to you in a pinch. It worked and I will no longer ever judge him for that. All right. That's it for this week's podcast. I hope we answered all of your questions. You guys know you can always call into the hotline if you need anything. And I will be back next Monday with a very special guest. All right. That's it for today's What's Gobby Cooking in the Wild. Be sure to tune in for new episodes on Mondays. And if you have any questions you want answered, give us a call at 1-888-338-4429 and leave me a voicemail. Or if you know a super cool small company that you want to be highlighted, let me know in the voicemail as well. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen and follow along with What's Gobby Cooking on Instagram and Twitter. And for more recipes, check out my website, whatsgobbycooking.com. See you guys very soon. 